Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Luke chapter 12, verses, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 32 through 34. And uh, if you would, I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to read this, these uh, three verses together. And in honor of God's Word, let's stand together, and I'm going to read it, and uh, then we will get into the message. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. These are the words of Jesus. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that, will, that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, we have come again today to gather in your name. We have come to hear your words. We've, we've come to hear your heart. And so I just ask as we continue this morning, as we continue to worship you in your word, that you would settle our hearts and our minds. Help us to focus on you. Help us to hear you. Help us to respond to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we are continuing our teaching series, and we're asking the question, why did Jesus say, from this passage, we're asking the question, why did Jesus say, sell your possessions and give to the needy? Now, next week we plan, Lord willing, to conclude this teaching series, where I'm going to be answering the question, why did Jesus say nothing about homosexuality? So, what I want you to do, uh, if you are not on our email list, I plan to send out a survey, because I want to know where our church stands in this. I'm going to be asking some questions for you to, to be able to fill out and answer, and if you've got some questions that you would like to be answered from up here, maybe I'll be able to address them. So, uh, if you want to be a part of that survey, it's an anonymous survey, but we will send it out via the uh, email uh, the weekly email that we send out each week. So uh, if you don't, if you're not on our email list, just go to info, I-N-F-O, at reachlifechurch.org, and Boaz will get you on there. So that's next week. But this week we are um, asking the question, why did Jesus say, sell all your possessions and give to the poor? What, what is Jesus teaching here? Is he, is Jesus calling us to sell everything and give it away. That, that's the question, that's one of the questions, or that is the question that I'm going to keep asking this morning. Is Jesus calling us to sell everything and give it away? Is he saying that we as Christians can't own private property? We can't own anything. And you know what? I think that most of us right now this morning are secretly thinking inside, I hope not. I hope that's not what Jesus means. Now that, that has to be hyperbole. Uh, there. He can't really be calling me to sell everything and to give it away, right? What if he is? 
What if he is? Instead of asking, is that what he's saying? Let me ask you this. What if he is calling you to do that this morning? Are you willing to obey? That's a question that, that we need to be able to answer. And, you know, this week as I was studying this, I looked up several passages in the gospel in the Gospels, where individuals either gave up everything that they had or they were commanded to give up everything they had in order to follow Jesus. And I want to take a a little bit of time here at the beginning and look at those. There's about three or four passages where this happens. And I think this will be helpful for us as we're trying to answer the question, is Jesus telling us to sell all of our possessions and to give them away? The first is going to be found in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 28. This is where Jesus is calling a guy named Matthew. Now, in the passage, it's going to be Levi, but most of the time, we call him the apostle Matthew. But he goes, let's look at verse 27. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. He goes to Levi's job, and he said to him, follow me, and look at verse 28, And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. The next passage I want to look at is a passage that we know as the rich young ruler. This is a a, a young man that came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, Lord, what must I do to what? Does anyone remember? To inherit eternal life. That's what the question is that this man asked Jesus. And here's what Jesus says to him in Matthew 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, look at it, sell what you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. An example where Jesus told this guy clearly, sell everything and get rid of it and give it to the poor and then come follow me. The third example that I want us to look at is found in Luke 14, verse 33, where Jesus is explaining the cost of, of discipleship. What does it cost to be a disciple of Jesus? He says, any one of you who does not renounce, that word renounce means to forsake or to give up all that he has, cannot be my disciple. And then today's passage, Luke 12, 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, let me ask you this. As you're listening to these passages, what's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart as you're hearing Jesus tell people that they need to leave or they need to liquidate everything that they have? What, what, What do you think about that if that's you? If Jesus is coming to you right now and saying, you need to liquidate everything you've worked for, everything, Todd, that you've planned for, and give it all away, How does that make you feel, honestly? The question that we're asking, I know we're asking, is this for, uh, is what Jesus is saying here, is this for all disciples in all places, in all times? Are these universal commands that we're all supposed to follow? And I would say, or you might be saying, how can we know that? Well, every week we've been saying that we need to look at something when we're reading a passage. We need to look at context. Context, context, context. We don't want to just rip something out of the, of the Bible and say this applies this way 
and it be outside of context. So what I want to do is look at context. And as you're looking at context, another thing that we need to be asking is this. Who was Jesus addressing in these passages? Now, when you're reading the Bible, it's very helpful to understand that the Bible wasn't written directly to us. We were not there, most of us were not there 2,000 years ago, right? It was not written to us. We were not in the audience. We did not receive the original manuscripts. It was not written directly to us, but it was written for us. There are biblical truths. There are uh, things in in the Word of God that we can mine out and that we can apply to ourselves from these passages. And we need to understand who was Jesus speaking to in context. So let's start with Matthew, the the tax collector. It's important to understand that this is a descriptive narrative. This is describing what happened when Jesus went to Matthew. He said, sell, or he said, come follow me. And it says that he left everything. Now, what does that mean, he left everything? If you just read that sentence by itself, it's like he just got up and, and followed Jesus and left everything that he had, but really what it's talking about is his job. He had to abandon his job as as a tax collector. He had to give up his profession in order to follow Jesus. How do we know this? How do we know that he didn't just sell everything and leave it and follow Jesus? Because in the verses that follow that verse, it says that he went home and he had a big party. He cast a big party for all his tax collector buddies, and he invited who? Jesus to come be a part of it. What's happening there is this is a great picture of how we're supposed to use our, our, our resources. Everything we have, we should use it and invite people in so that they can in, be invited to, to know Jesus. So, so Levi, in this, this passage, leaves his profession in order to follow Jesus. How about the rich young ruler? Well, in context, when Jesus commands him to sell what he possessed and give it to the poor... It appears that Jesus is addressing a specific idol that is in the heart of this young man, the the idol of money. It it seems like this man was trusting in his riches. And Jesus, discerning that, said, hey, look, if you're going to follow me, you got to get rid of that. You're going to have to sell it all and come follow me. In both of these cases, the thing that I want us to see is that there was something in the lives of these individuals that had to be forsaken in order to follow Jesus. They had to make a choice. Do I want my profession above Jesus? Do I want riches above Jesus? Or do I want Jesus? They had to make a choice. And one, Matthew, chose life, and the other, the rich young ruler, chose his, his life that he already had, and he went away sorrowful. So those are those two passages. In Luke 14, that's the passage where Jesus is calling his listeners to denounce everything. Who is Jesus speaking to? Well, he's, he's speaking directly to disciples. He's speaking directly to his disciples who were living during his earthly ministry. But you know what? This word is for all disciples in all places, and in all times. Okay? Now, you may be saying, well, how, how do you know that? 
Well, if you look at the words that Jesus uses in these passages, he says, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then in verse Luke 14, 27, he says, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So he is speaking to the disciples that were in front of him, which applies that he was speaking to them, but this is for us, which brings us to today's passage where he is again speaking to them, and this is meant for us. How do I know that? Because let's look at, look at verse 32 again. He says, fear not, what? Little flock. Who's the flock of Jesus? His disciples, right? His church. So he's speaking to his immediate church and also to the church that would go uh, past, present, and future. So when Jesus says that we are to denounce everything, when Jesus says that we are to sell our possessions and give them to the needy, listen, he's addressing all of us who would seek to be his disciples. Let me ask you, ask you this question. Is that you? Are you seeking to be Jesus' disciple? If so, then this word that I'm speaking is for you. So back to the question, is Jesus calling us to sell everything and give it away? Again, what if, what if he is? What if he is calling you to do that? And the reason I ask that is because I can't stand up here this morning and tell you he's not telling you that. He might be telling you to do that. Um, he very well might be. I don't know. But if he is calling you to do that, then you're going to have to have a why. You're going to have to have a reason that empowers you to do that. And so what I want to look at uh, is Matthew 13, through 46. It'll be up here on the screen. Listen to this. This is... This is motivation. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and what? Sells all that he has and buys that field. Can you imagine walking through a field that says for sale on it, and you kick over some, a rock and there's gold under it? You would sell that, wouldn't uh, you? would cover that back up and go sell everything you can to purchase that because it's of, of greater value. Verse 45, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one of great value, look at this, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, is he talking, Jesus talking in this, these parables, is he talking about literally... Uh, money here. He could be, but he's, he's, he's getting at something much deeper than money. He's getting at the heart of man. He's getting at what's most valuable to us, isn't he? Giving it all. What, what's the why in why these guys, these people did this? People follow Jesus. It's, it's because it's the ability to see Jesus as a treasure as the greatest treasure. 
It's the ability to see that he is the pearl of great price. That, that's why, that's the why we would sell all that we have and give it away. That, that's why we would lay everything down. And that's what we need to see. We need to see the great riches that are found only in Jesus. And you know, time and time again, if you've read the scriptures, time and time again, we see people coming to Jesus and pouring their lives out to him like water at his feet, just pouring everything out. You know, like Mary of Bethany? Remember Mary of Bethany found in John chapter, uh, John chapter 12 when Lazarus is raised from the dead? She has a, they have a feast in their home, and she is so grateful. She goes and takes uh, an alabaster jar, and it says that she poured out, she crushes it, and she pours out like her, it's probably her life savings, literally, and just pours it out on the ground and on his feet. And the aroma of worship fills the house. I love the, her passion. Or how about the widow, that precious widow? She had two coins, two copper coins. And what does she do? She throws it into the temple treasury. Two pennies, basically. And Jesus sees it and he says to his disciples, you know what? That woman right there has given more than all these rich people because they've just given out of out of their excess, out of their comfort. But she, those two coins, represented her heart, her life, everything she is, that's what she, she poured it all out. She gave it all. So back to the question, is Jesus calling us to sell everything and give it away? I, I, I don't know. But Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11, Verses 35 through 40, there are, there's a list of disciples, a great cloud of uh, witness, witnesses who followed Christ, who followed God in the Old Testament and in the New T- Testament. There are disciples who gave more than just their possessions away. Verse 35 says, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and fl- mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went, down, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, look at this, did not receive what was promised yet. I'm going to put the word yet. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. These, These individuals, they abandoned their homes, they abandoned their professions, uh, they abandoned their reputations, they they basically abandoned their lives. They, they burned their bridges and left it all on the field. Why? To glorify, to know God, Jesus. And so, when, you know, when I read passages like this, you see the fiery passion. You, you see how devoted they are, not just to live for Jesus, but also to endure unimaginable trials even to the point of death for his glory. When I see people like this, I just get motivated, right? And then what do I do? I look up at the American church. 
a church that uh, in large gathers and serves when it's convenient and when it and often when there's something in it for for me um, and if you're like me it grieves my heart uh, when I see that and I'm not preaching at you okay I hope you know I'm not preaching at you this morning I'm with this description of what I just gave. Um, you may have, on social media, you may, may have seen a meme. It says, church in Afghanistan, we will gather and likely die. Church in America, we will gather, unless there's a cookout, birthday party, or if it's a nice day, or there's a chance of rain, or I'm a little tired, or something. <sighs> um. Can we all agree that this speaks of truth, this meme here? That, that this is uh, a truth that we all understand? Um, and again, I promise you that this morning, I'm not here to rail against the church. I love the church. And I'm not, again, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I'm preaching to me this morning. Because I want to see the church prosper. But you know, more than me, God wants to see his church Prosper. Jesus wants to see his church prosper. But the question I keep asking is, why is it that in light of all that's, you know, that's all that's gone on in the, let's just say just the past year and a half, in light of that, why is it that churches are not packed out each week? Um, restaurants are. I've noticed that restaurants are. But why are the churches not? Where is the church? Why, why are we so sluggish? Why are we, we not more prayerful? Why are we not more eager to serve? And, and why did the first century church and, and those before, why were they divided by a saw that cut? It says that they were cut in half, right? Some of them died. Why are they divided by a saw? And, and we're, we're divided by a piece of cloth. It's just, I'm just like, what, what's the difference? Why are they, why were they that and I'm me? Why am I like me? Um, why am I struggling with this? And the interesting thing about this is this, this week, this isn't, it's not like I'm, don't, don't talk to everybody. And I hear conversations and most of us have shared what I just shared. That they, they understand there is a sluggishness. I was talking to the, the men during prayer week this, uh, on Wednesday and we were all like, yeah. What is that? There, there's some like oppressiveness on us. And, and we're the church. And I'm like, why, uh, why is the church, why are we not more like the New Testament church? And you know why I think part of it is? Is because we're a forgetful people. And we forget that. We're forgetful. And uh, it's because we've forgotten verse 32 in our passage today. I think it's because we have forgotten verse 32, because, you know, there, there's so many voices in our culture that want to be heard. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And so that's, that's the voice that we need to hear this morning, isn't it? The voice of Jesus. So let's look at verse 32. We're going to hunker down in this verse primarily for the rest of this message. And I want us to see and hear Jesus. Verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you 
the kingdom. Now, this is a, a verse I believe that the first century church believed with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their souls. This was their why. They believed verse 32, and it empowered them. So I want to break it down in, in a few sections. Let's start with fear not, little flock. Fear not. He says, fear not. In other words, do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. Do not be stressed out. Now, let me ask you this. This morning, are you anxious? Are you afraid? Are you stressed out about anything in life right now? Uh, maybe it's that you've taken on too much and you're drowning. Uh, you've taken off more than you can chew. Maybe you're in a place where you just don't want to be. We talk about this regularly. But you're in a place you don't want to be, but you know that that's where God has you. Or maybe you're in a place where you feel inadequate. I don't know what to do. But you know what? That's where God has you. You're really where God has you. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then he says, little flock. He doesn't say, don't be afraid, you mighty pack of wolves, you raging lions, you awesome bulls. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. Small insignificant, weak, powerless, dependent, and vulnerable little flock. Jesus is implying that he's a shepherd, right? We've got a shepherd. Fear not, little flock. The shepherd's talking to his flock. Don't be afraid. Why? Well, you know, I really wish I had time to go into the entire chapter 12, the, the, the entire chapter, we need the context of this to really get what Jesus is saying, because he's built up to something before, by the time he gets to verse 32. So I'm going to do a real quick run through, and then I'm going to encourage you to go back this week and, and meditate on it. But in the first verses, I think it's like one through three, Jesus basically tells us, don't be a hypocrite. Don't live a double life. Don't be this way in public and this way in the dark. He said, and he, here's why. Because everything that you do in the dark is going to be proclaimed in the light at some point. We're all going to give an account. So make sure that you hide your good works so that on that day, it's like people are like, whoa, I didn't know you did that. Versus, whoa, I didn't know you did that. Jesus says, do not be a hypocrite. Hide your good works and expose your sin. And then he spends most of the rest of this chapter seeking... It's interesting, he seeks to convince us to walk with our heads up because, and here's the reason, we are valuable to God. That's the reason. Um, this is the passage where Jesus warns, do not be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of human beings. Don't let them keep you from, from following me. I'll tell you who to be afraid of. Be afraid of the Father. Be afraid of God who has the power not only to kill the body, but to throw into hell. But he's not doing that to, like, scare you. Because after that, he says, he talks about five sparrows, five, bir like, birds that I think are, you could buy them for two pennies back then, five of them. He says, God knows every single detail about every bird, a, a seemingly worthless bird. God knows about it. There's not one that falls to the ground, it says in another uh, passage. There's not a, a sparrow that falls to the ground and God doesn't know about it. And then he says, he knows every hair 
on your head. I want you to think about that. This is not hyperbole. He really does know every hair on your head. If, if you want to do something fun, I know we're older people, but you want to do something fun, take a part of your hair and just cut it off and let it fall on the table and then count how many hairs are in that little section that you cut. It's amazing. Uh, but he knows every single hair on your head. And Jesus says, you know what? You're more valuable than birds. He's trying to convince his listeners we are valuable to God. And it's not because we're talented. It's not because we're good looking. It's not because we are obedient. We know that. It's not because we're obedient and productive workhorses. And God says, man, I want them on my team. No, it's actually the opposite. You know why uh, we're valuable to God? Because God says so. It, 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 which reveals his glory. It, it reveals how glorious he is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is, how generous it is, because he chooses the weak, he chooses the powerless, he chooses the rebellious and the seemingly insignificant to come to himself. And he said, you know what? You're valuable to me. And you know, this is where, again, this verse, we need to meditate on this. Meditate means to chew the cud. You know, uh, you know what meditating, what a cow does? It's got like, I think, four stomachs. I've never opened one up, but I've been told they have four stomachs. And they do what you call chew the cud. They will chew the grass, it goes into their stomachs, and then they'll regurgitate it back up, and they'll chew again. Watch a cow. They do this. They're chewing the cud to get every bit of nutrient out of their food. And that's what we need to do with the Word of God. We need to chew on this. We need to, to uh, immerse ourselves in this. And here's what we need to hear. That God knows your condition. He knows your exact condition that you're in. He, it didn't, it's not taking him by surprise. And he wants uh, you to know that he is not going to leave you in your situation because you are precious to him. So Jesus says, fear not, little flock. Don't be afraid, for it is your Father's good pleasure. Your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, who is the Father that Jesus is telling us to trust in? I want to go to an Old Testament passage, uh, 1 Chronicles 29, and 11 through 16, and David, King David, if you remember David, he's the guy that killed Goliath with a stone and later became king of Israel. He wanted to build God a temple. He wanted to build God a temple. And God said, well, you can't build this temple because you have bloodshed. You've shed blood with your hands. But your son can, Solomon. And so David receives an offering from the people. And the people are really excited about giving to this. And here is the prayer that David prays to God. And I, I, I love this because it really describes who our Father is and what our heart should be like when it comes to giving. Verse 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom 
O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand, in your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Look at verse 14, what David says. He says, but who am I and what is my people? He's, he realizes he's that little flock when he sees who God is. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? I can't believe you're letting us be a part of what you're doing. I, I can't believe you're letting us give to this. And here's why. For all things come from you and of your own have we given you? In other words, it's, it's kind of like, uh, have you ever had a, a two- or three-year-old who bought you a gift? Where'd they get that money from? From you, right? That's what, I think that's what David is saying here. He's, we're giving you what is already yours. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name actually comes from your hand and is all your own. I love that. Jesus says, fear not, little flock. Why? Because everything belongs to our Father. Riches, honor, strength, Everything belongs to our Father. Fear not, because He is with us in our trials. We don't have to run away from our trial, trials. We don't have to run away in fear. Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's. And then there's three things I want us to see here. Good pleasure, number one, to give you the, number three, kingdom. Good pleasure, Give you the kingdom. Good pleasure. What does that mean? It means that he's not begrudgingly kind of giving you, okay, I'll give it to you. No, he is excited about it. He's thrilled. He takes delight. Notice, not in you earning it, but in giving. Giving the kingdom. This is, a, this is grace something we don't deserve. The Father is giving us the kingdom. The king, what is the kingdom that he's talking about here? The kingdom is that treasure that's buried in a field. It's, it's the pearl of great price. The kingdom is where Jesus is. The kingdom is where Jesus is reigning. Christ's kingdom, listen, is right now, and not yet. It's right now, and it's not yet. It's right now in all of us who are taking God's word and, and believing it and receiving it and receiving Jesus. Everyone who Jesus is reigning in right now, his kingdom is here. It's right now and not yet. There's, there's actually a kingdom where we're going to get new bodies. There's going to be a street of gold. There will be no sickness. The government, we will not question ever the government. It'll be pure. There will be no fear. There'll be no death. There'll, there'll be no more. I wonder what they're really thinking. The kingdom. 
full of light. And so we need to, to understand that the kingdom of God has been promised to us, has been given to us, which also includes knowing and enjoying God and making him known. And you know what the church is? The church is to be about knowing and enjoying God and making him known together. We're, we're to work together to, to know and enjoy and to make God known. But you know what? The truth is that everything around us uh, is seeking to grab our attention. Everything is, is trying to distract us. It's trying to agitate us and to give us false hope. And here's what we often can say, and I'm, I, I can be guilty of this. You know, I'll quit being afraid, and I'll begin rejoicing in God when I get past this trial, uh, after I get out of debt, um, after I get a job. Once I get that job, or once I get a, a new house, or once I'm able to have children, or after my marriage is fixed, after my health is better, after... COVID is finally gone, then I will rejoice and praise God. And you know what Jesus says? He says, no. No, 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 no. Do not wait for then. The kingdom is now. Fear not, little flock, now, today, in the midst of your trial. For it is your, and here's why, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 32 is the key. It reminds us that we have a shepherd. It reminds us that we have a father who has all authority and power, who has promised to give us a better kingdom where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is reigning. That's verse 32. Therefore, sell your possessions and give to the needy. You see the difference in that? What Jesus is saying is, look, look what you're getting. Look at what God is giving you. Because that's going to free you to let it pass through. It's going to free you to sell your excess in possessions and give to those who are, are needy. And look, that's a picture of the gospel. We preach this all the time. Give as God's given to you, right? Live unto others as God has lived unto you. As he has died for us, died for others, die for others. That's the glorious gospel. So is Jesus calling us to sell everything and give it away? Every time I read that and I go, I'm like, that, I'm like, no, no, no. He's actually asking for more than that. He wants it all. He wants all of us. He wants our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits. He wants us to be fully His, to see His glory and be satisfied in Him. Why? Because He's an egotistic narcissist? No. It's because He is the loving Creator of us all. And He has come that we might have life and have it abundantly but it's only in him where we will experience that. We need to continue to grow 
and seeing the value of Jesus. Because when we do, we will be willing to joyfully sell, if that's what he calls us to do, everything. We'll be able to endure everything. We'll be willing to get rid of everything if we need to. And we'll be greatly desiring to use everything for his glory. So, what's the application for this week? What's, what are my three application points? I don't have three application points this morning. I have one. And that, this, is, this is it. I just want to encourage you to get to take Luke chapter 12 this week and get immersed in it. Spend some time uh, listening to Jesus until you can hear his voice, until you come to a place where you believe that you're valuable to God. Um, that when that trial pops up, first thing you're going to say is, I'm not alone in this. I praise you, God, that you're here. I consider this pure joy. Not because I like the trial, but because God's with me in the midst of this trial. I want to encourage us to spend time meditating on this, remembering that he's aware of our circumstances, that he cares for us deeply, and he has given us the kingdom. Our Father loves us. He sent his Son to prove it, to die for us, so that we might inherit an eternal kingdom that will never fade. Therefore, let us sell our possessions. Let us pour out our lives for Jesus knowing that we have treasures that will never fail. Amen? Let's pray.